So, as we come to prayer, we're continuing to think today and reminding ourselves of the glorious fact that uh, you didn't leave us on our own when you returned to heaven uh, after your resurrection and that we are empowered and strengthened by the Holy Spirit each day. Father, we though see a world today that's so much in need of you. We look at disasters happening all over the world, war, famine, drought, man's inhumanity to man. It all seems so overpowering and almost helpless. Yet, Lord, we believe that you are in control. You're working out your purposes. So we want to pray in faith for your world as we see it today. We're aware of the escalating tensions between Iran and the USA following violence in the Gulf. Lord, we pray that peace may be re-established in that region, that leadership will want to restrain further violence. And we, we want to pray for our own country, for its politics, for its leadership, and for the tensions and divisions that there are. That there will be a way forward that can bring about reconciliation, hope, um, cooperation in the coming days. And we want to continue to pray for Christians in politics and leadership. For our Archbishop Justin Welby and others to encourage them, to give them courage to speak out for you when needed and to be able to impact our community. We want to thank you, Father, this morning for the community we have here at All Souls, for the love and support we so often enjoy. But we're aware that as individuals, we often do not make a significant impact on the community around us. We ask that you would help us to be aware of others that so much need to know your love and care and be able to go out in love to them. And many of us have been praying for five friends or relatives the last few days and just we'll have just a moment of quietness when we can each just lift up those friends or family to God now. Lord, we thank you for your word that you've left us. And we want to pray for Fee this morning as she brings it to us. We pray that you will empower her, that you will open up our hearts and our lives to receive what you want to give to us this morning, that we may go out empowered by your spirit. We ask, for, Lord, that you will lift up our eyes to you this morning for a moment, to take us, our eyes off the problems that we see in front of us but uh, to individually be conscious that your spirit empowers us as we welcome you into our lives. Help us today and in the coming days to be 
confident in you and increase our awareness of your presence in us, your presence in us. Lord, help us to be able to communicate in our life and manner your love and peace. Father, we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you, David. We're going to um, have our Bible reading now, which uh, leads us into our passage. Um, Emad's going to come and share that with us. Hopefully, you should be able to um, find one of these uh, pew Bibles uh, at the ends of the pews. If you can't, then crawl over somebody and grab one or climb over the pew behind you to open it up and um, read along together and keep it open while, we're, while Fee brings uh, God's Word to us. Thanks. So that's page 1172, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, life by the Spirit. So, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. <clears throat> For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. <clears throat> but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the, under law. The acts of sinful nature are, are obvious. Sexual immor immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, <clears throat> hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, uh, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ahmad. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my daughter was watching Despicable Me, and um, it's a film, I don't know if you know Despicable Me, but it's a film, um, and actually it was Despicable Me 2, very particularly, and the main character was a villain, and has sort of become a bit of a goodie, because he's been adopted by three little girls, who are all sisters, who, um, who decided that love, life with this this baddie is actually better than the awful orphanage they were living in before. And, um, and on top of this, there are hundreds of these little minion characters. I think there might be a bit of an overhead somewhere with minions on. Cute little yellow minions, and they talk sort of... That's how minions talk. There we go. So they're all very cute. Um, 
And actually, I walked in halfway through the movie, and it's at the point where another evil villain who, who is going for world domination has captured all these cute little minions, and he's injected them with a serum to make them into evil minions. Scary, here we go, purple minion. Um, and he takes them, and they're the perfect asset for any baddie trying to take over the world. But hope is at hand. Gru comes in, and with the um, help of a team, he manages to zap all these purple minions with, with an antidote and makes them back into their lovely little yellow selves again. Yay. So um, these few verses of Galatians can feel a little bit like that. This is, this is the baddie, us. And then the goody us. Either we live by the Spirit and behave well, or we don't and behave badly. But actual fact, Paul is asking the Galatians, where is it we want to live? Do we seek the, the direction of a place where we put ourselves on that pedestal? Where, um, yeah, what would a, look, a world look like if we were all standing on pedestals all thinking we were more important than anybody else. It reminds me a bit of Total Wipeout. I don't know if anyone remembers that, where you had to kind of challenge yourself with various things that ended up, if you fell off, you ended up in water, I think, mostly. But there was um, one of the challenges towards the end. People have to stand on these little pedestals, and there's a rotating arm, and it gets higher and higher, and you have to try and jump over it until there's one person left standing. And you kind of feel like a life away from Christ. It feels like we're sort of competing with each other. It's a place where the focus is all on my own successes or my own failures or my own wants, but a place where I'm looking away from Christ. So back to Galatians. Um, where Paul first went to Galatia, this is one of the first places that he, he talked to where um, it was a non-Jewish population. They were Gentiles, in other words. And it's where central Turkey is now. And again, he, he came and talked to households at a time, and the small little churches grew up, about 20 to 30 people, and they were based around a household. And these were really new Jesus-trusting people in this part of the Roman Empire. And in hearing and welcoming and living out Paul's message of gospel, these early Gentile followers would have found themselves living in quite a different way to those around them. But why did Paul then write a letter some years later? As he says back in Galatians 3, the Galatians received Christ's Holy Spirit by hearing his gospel and trusting in Christ. Paul is now having to write a letter because the Galatians have been made to doubt this message. A group of Jewish teachers have been sort of following him around, it seems, and spreading an alternative message that living by the Spirit isn't enough. We've got to wear badges of religion. We've got to strive to sort of follow all those laws, those rules. We've got to show, we've got to really show that we're God's people by these specific things. And the Galatians, after that, are a bit confused. They're hearing sort of different messages, not sure who to listen to. And I think that feels a bit like our present age now. There's so many messages out there, so many voices clamoring for our attention. We don't always know which message to follow. And Peter, 
back in Acts 15, refers to this obsession with pious religious law. Why try to put a yoke on these new disciples that neither our fathers have been able to bear? Neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear. Paul's gospel message is not about laws, but it's about a love that unites humanity. Boundaries and vision and divisions are done away with, and what comes instead is God's love in the form of Jesus Christ through his spirit. In verses 22 to 23, Paul gives us this beautiful list of the fruit of the Spirit. I'll read them out again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And notice in the passage, it's written as fruit, not fruits. You can't have one without the other. They're all connected. So easy, huh? Let's do it. To be honest, if that was a person's specification for a job description, I think I wouldn't bother. I think, oh, crikey, come on, you need something. You're, you're going for perfection there, aren't you? There's no way I can do this. I'll leave it to someone else. But of course, the job description is based on Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is indeed Christ. But it does seem that Paul is urging us to have a go at this job. But when we, when we tentatively try it, we're not doing it alone. We are mentored by the Holy Spirit. We are guided and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. We know we will constantly mess up as we take on this role, but we know we are forgiven already by God's grace. So what about this other list? The living without Christ list. This is our human tendency to mess things up or the desires of the flesh. It's living in a place without God. In verses 19 to 21, Paul gives us this list of ways we might mess up. And interesting, when we think of our sinful desires or desires of the flesh, we often go straight in for sexual immorality, don't we? I know it's Sunday morning, but there it is. Um, and greed and all those sorts of things. However, you might notice, if you look carefully, the list is split into four categories, each split up by a semicolon. First, sexual misconduct, yes, religious misconduct, communal discord, and excessive drinking and its consequences. Paul doesn't rate these in any way, and the list isn't exhaustive. He ends the list with and the like, etc., etc. However, it's interesting to note that over half the works he mentioned are devoted to the communal discord group, things that bring division, things like hatred, discord, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, in other words, opinionated behavior, factions, maybe even belonging to a clique, and finally, envy. Paul here is talking about the sort of works that, that have the potential to hurt others, that rip communities apart, divide society, damage relationships, damage ourselves. I mean, we only have to have a quick look at how people operate on social media, on Twitter feeds, and, and how it feels like our society is continually divided to just get a little idea of that problem. But if this tendency to follow our own desires exists in all of us, is that it? Are we left to our temptations there with the purple minions? They've gone. Is that the end of the story? Paul 
says in Romans 13 that being aware these works of darkness shouldn't plunge Christians into a mire of guilt and desperate moral effort. However, it should affect our ambition. I've heard um, this story from many different sources, and it goes something like this. You know, um, when, I, when I sort of started to believe in Jesus, when I started to really believe he was the Son of God, I sort of became a bit more aware of all those places where I do mess up in my life, when I do get things a bit wrong, and, and my personal weaknesses. It's a bit like the Spirit of Christ shines a spotlight on us, on those areas of our lives that cause us and others hurt. I remember myself being astonished how I uh, began to stop worrying so much about what other people were thinking of me. That had been a real weakness, and um, it's a work in progress, but I can feel how the Spirit has empowered me to change that side of myself. So when we start to trust in Christ and journey with the Spirit, we do find there's this spotlight on our actions, how we live our lives, how we act towards others and reflect on this. That is the Spirit guiding us. Yet, if we feel a sense of hopelessness at our own broken humanity, we're liberated from wallowing in guilt, constantly replaying scenes in our heads wherever we think we have messed up. We're liberated from dwelling on actions or thoughts that eat away at us because we are moving in a new direction. So being a Christian, not about wearing a badge, it's not about what club we belong to. Which place do we make our home in? Rather, it's about the direction we are traveling and who we are traveling with. It is about where we make our home. The place of the flesh, in other words, a world without God, or the place of the spirit. The place of the flesh, where we turn away from God, or the place of the spirit. I spoke to a theologian recently who said, imagine it's a little bit like Twickenham and Isleworth. So you have Twickenham over here turned away from God. Sorry, anyone living in Twickenham. And Isleworth, God, our direction. Sometimes it's difficult for us to strive to be Christ-like on our own. It's impossible, in fact. We need somebody showing us the way. So if you imagine that you're in Twickenham, but you don't actually know the way to Isleworth, we need to grasp hold of the hand of the Spirit and walk with him to Isleworth, and all those in Isleworth, don't you feel holy, holy right now? And finally, Paul also gives us the image of the slow-growing vine in verse 22. So this journey, this journey to Isleworth, isn't a quick journey. There may be times when it feels like we're not growing in Christ, when we're stuck in traffic, when we find ourselves tempted to return to Twickenham, we're the, <laughs> that we're the same angry, frustrated, opinionated people that we ever were, with the same tiredness of life. Then, when we least expect it, out of the long winter may come a shoot, and it will grow, slowly bearing fruit. Those slightly withered branches will be trimmed back and will feel the warmth of spring. These words are echoed in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In welcoming the Spirit of Christ, whether through prayer or through our own awareness of the gospel, through our church life, 
we can be empowered to become more Christ-like, to be part of God's coming kingdom and his love in the world. We can be part of that unifying transformation in our relationships, our families, our workplaces, on social media, in our communities and beyond. Of course, there will be times when we mess up, but we know that our mess-ups have already been nailed to that cross. Verse 24. We are liberated from guilt and can continue to journey along in the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit who brings a foretaste of the world to come and leads us towards the home we long for, guiding us to enjoy and share the fruit of Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that your Spirit will journey alongside us through the coming weeks and months and lead us closer to you. We pray that whatever our circumstances, we can today journey with the Spirit at our side and we can experience the joy, the peace and the love of Christ, not only in our lives, but we can be empowered to share this fruit in our wider communities and be part of God's transforming kingdom. Amen.